Hey, so, so look, if you're really lucky, right, every once in a while, you get to talk to somebody in our industry that you can look back and simply see their career progression. Like, you know, you can pop on LinkedIn or in some other digital form. You can, you can kind of see the progress of things. Like their experience totally makes sense. All careers don't go this way. By the way, you want experience in the job that today's guest has today, right now. You, you so want experience. In fact, you're lucky, fortunate, thankful, grateful. You, oh, you could say so many things. If you have somebody on your team with the experience of today's guest, uh, today's world, uh, employment and attracting employees didn't work exactly the way maybe it has traditionally. So you know you're lucky if you've got good people on your team and you certainly, we're endorsers at the encouragers of treating those people right. Moves are made and in this person's career seem to us, at least externally, to look like, man, they match growth moments in their career development and it's really exciting. Now, uh, th they can literally share lessons from a career path that they grew themselves. Today, we get to talk with somebody in sales and that's special enough, but today, we're going to talk to a digital seller, a digital sales manager. And look, maybe we can unpeel some of the myth behind digital ooh, or how challenging it is or uh, why some people are afraid of it or how to make it easier to sell digital. Okay, one thing is true. We are fortunate to have a seat right next to today's guest as we get to ask questions about their career. Uh, we're going to ask about his passion for digital, for sales, and for radio. This sounds like exactly the kind of person that we really like to talk to on our podcast. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. Our goal is always to, quote, encourage radio pros at all levels, unquote. We talk about our podcast, by the way, at the beginning and the end of things, because you know, the first couple of times somebody runs into us, it's usually one of the social media postings and then they go, oh, there's a whole podcast. And boy, then they figure out there's a bunch of things that they can be involved in from our podcast. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you already know that we drop fresh weekly episodes featuring radio pros working right now in the radio business each Sunday. To enjoy our podcast, you only have to be interested in others open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and more successful. Each week, we have an opportunity to see kind of a snapshot of an individual in our business. It allows us to see radio from a totally different perspective, a different career arc, if you will, and to hear how they are embracing radio right now. Not in the past, not in the future, right now. Oh, and look, if you're in sales, you should also learn about our quarterly exclusive and free radio sales events. We do them every quarter. Purpose of that event on our podcast, The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, is to help local radio sellers anywhere and everywhere increase their sales, their revenue, and their income in each coming quarter. You can grab your own free seat. You can grab past sales events of this special sales quarterly episode in the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com, or you can subscribe always to our podcast, and you can get it along with the other 100-plus episodes that are already in our archive today. A fresh episode joins each Sunday, and the new quarterly is coming in October. Of course, it'll be here before you know it. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves RPC. Our practice is an actual multiplier, helping local radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue, both. And it's just the simple. When we go to work for a client and they follow our collaborative process and strategy, their revenue and their profit margin rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? 
Are your local radio stations programmed in position to collect the most money today? Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? Mm, we can help you schedule a meetup with us by email. It's easy. First consultation is free, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We're just about a minute away, maybe even less, from welcoming Joseph Brown. He's the digital sales manager, and man, I've got questions about even his title because I think his title is something else. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He is with Cumulus Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available minutes after we record the live interview and we drop it in social media that we talk about sometimes. And uh, it's also in the podcast itself. We thank JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. See what you can get for free. These are resource tools for you, by the way, by dropping in on our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. Anytime you'll find things like there, like our encouraging sales success series and our more than live and local series, uh, all about pushing you forward, helping you, encouraging you, giving you that motivation that some of us, we just need it every week, right? And now let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. Joseph, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you, sir? I'm great, Lloyd. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the chance to chat with you. I'm so excited just because I've, I've done the digital research on you, you know, so everybody has what I call a digital entrail, right? So I get to learn things about you. And, and um, first question I want to ask you before anything is, do people call you Joseph? Do they call you Joe? What what happens? <laughs> uh, I think there's two, maybe three people who call me Joseph. So my wife's allowed to, I like to say, and and my parents and sister can. Um, almost everybody else, it's not even just Joe. Even growing up in school, it, it's Joe Brown. It's like the, it's got to be the full name. I don't know why. I don't insist on it, but it feels like that's how everybody, friends, classmates, coworkers, when they want me, it's it's Joe Brown. So yeah, Joseph. You're, you're in a select group, but I, I let it I let it pass. I thought I wouldn't immediately correct you on that in the first couple seconds. <laughs> so so really, if I want to fit, I go, I'll go, uh, hey, Joe Brown, like that. Right. It, like it'll a politician. feel like every other day at work for me. Yeah, it, it'll feel like every other day at work if you do it that way. I won't even blink at it. That's that's kind of what I'm used to, especially with uh, we have another Joe, at least in the Wilkes-Barre office. And I first thing I told him when I went up there, because um, I've only been there for a couple months. Uh, since I'm primarily out of Allentown until recently, mm -hmm. was guys just say Joe Brown, and that's how we'll distinguish. I'm the second Joe in the house. You guys keep calling him Joe. Just use my full name, and we'll be we'll be able to make it work. Well, or you could always be Digital Joe. But listen, I got another one we can add to it, but I'll only do it temporarily. Let's go back to Little Joe Brown. Can you <laughs> tell us about your childhood? And look, I think you're a Pennsylvania man from way back, right? Am I right? Yeah, you absolutely are. In fact, I'm actually, I'm working. So one of the two branches that I'm in, the, we, we call it the, the Lehigh Valley, or really the Allentown branch for Cumulus is in the exact market where I grew up and spent all of my childhood with the exception of going away for a couple of years um, for college. So that's really special. I, that must mean that you know the ground pretty well, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I um. It's pretty familiar. Um, it's something that I thought I wanted to get away from, uh, which is why I went to school in oh, Springfield yeah. College, Massachusetts um, for, for a couple of years. And then I was immediately drawn back, really, um, for, for a lot of reasons. But the biggest one is that um, my wife um, was, was still in the area. We had dated mm -hmm. throughout high school or, excuse me, throughout college. And uh, she, she had family that she really wanted to be close to. And it was a no-brainer to come back to the market. And I, I haven't regretted it since. It's really been interesting seeing it from a growing up perspective. But then now changing to an adult perspective um, and not just living it as a kid and teenager, but seeing it as an adult, a working class. It's, it's a fascinating market. Uh, it's grown tremendously since I was a kid. And it's, it's really cool to be a part of that um, in the radio and digital market, helping local businesses in the Valley. Listen, I, I really think that when people are not from there or they've not lived there or they've not experienced what that market is, it's a bit of a misunderstanding. That's really a cool place with a lot of good people and a lot of good connectivity. Listen, I, here's a question I wanted to ask you almost from the beginning. Did you have any experiences that you remember as a listener 
when you were a kid with radio? I do, and and not as much, and that's something um, you might find interesting, Lloyd, because I've I've listened to a number of episodes, and I know so many people are lifers. Um, and I don't yeah, look, I don't want to get I don't, look, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> I don't want to get too far ahead because that is one of the most fascinating things about you, and I am going to probe that. But but tell us about your first experience with radio for a minute. Yeah, um, the biggest thing that I remember um, is my dad is a big music guy. And one of the stations that is part of the Allentown cluster that I'm actually you know, working for and helping to sell right now is 99.9 The Hawk. It's a classic rock station. It used to be, before it was classic rock for the past 20 plus years, an oldie station. Um, and I remember my dad being all excited about the new classic rock station because the oldies, you know, they weren't his time. And he was like, ah, oh, great, a classic rock station. And I, I remember being in the car the first time he played it within a couple of days when that switch was made, there was a billboard up, I think about it. Um, and it's funny because I didn't pay any attention to it, but it must've stuck because when I went to apply for my first job, which, which was with the Hawk and it's actually one of the stations I'm still with, uh, it, it kind of rang that bell. I was like, Oh my God, I remember when my dad was so excited about this and here, this classic rock station still going strong in Allentown 20 plus years later. So how you come on this show and you're like yeah i might not be like others and then you you give us this experience where your dad is going oh my god this station is for me that's such an exciting boom and there was radio story so i love that story and it's probably a great story for you to tell um in a lot of situations too because that's the power of radio for sure now listen before you before you went to college really you were a catering supervisor. I, I hope I'm getting this right. Dorney Park and Wildwater Kingdom. Some people might be surprised when you show up on our podcast, and yet your career didn't start in radio. What did that job teach you about service and dealing with the public? Oh, you're taking me back. Like, I try not to think about the um, the Dorney Park days, but no, it was it, it's still a staple in our community. Um, a lot of high schoolers um, and, and you know college kids during summer um, they hire so many people in in that age range that um, a lot of us can say we shared that experience. It was it was really good for me in twofold. Um, there was the ability to get promoted quickly, you know. So I started mm -hmm. as a line worker and then was promoted to a you know, what, what we call almost like a mid manager. And then I was a regional area manager and um, I was specifically in the caring department. And it, it's interesting because everything we did there and a lot of the jobs at Dorney, especially mine, were all client focused. I mean, it was one-on-one, -on -one, especially as a manager um, in any business, you're always dealing with customer service. So those were more of maybe, I don't know, a retail style interactions where typically it was dealing with angry customers or stuff oh. like that. Um, but but dealing with that and learning how to overcome objections, learning how to deal with people's emotions um, and how to interact with them to get yes. them back, kind of and guide them to where I wanted them to end up and kind of lead them to a certain point. Even when they first approached me with these major issues and complaints, um, it was definitely it was definitely worthwhile um, and they rewarded good experience. So I think it helped kind of reinforce what my parents always taught me and professors like you work hard, you, you open up opportunities for yourself and. That's why I was able to get promoted pretty quickly um, and, and taught me a lot of management early lessons about uh, even though a very different style, how to lead a team. I mean, imagine being a 17, 18 year old leading a team of 15 year olds. So age oh, yeah. is not really a thing, right? You learn quickly. I've got to be able to command the room of my peers um, right. or even sometimes workers that were older than me. And as a, a teenager, it's pretty, pretty intimidating when you're, you know, a 16 year old manager and you're trying to tell an 18 year old what to do, um, you, you learn how to be a leader and command respect, not fear, so that you can really have your people want to do what you're asking them to do, not just convince them to do it out of some sort of fear or, or other reasons. So it taught a lot of management lessons and a, a lot of customer service about how to deal oh, with people. Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't want to let this out of the box either. Uh, I want to circle this. You know, a lot of people can say, you know, you start at some kind of theme parky thing, don't forget one of the biggest and best brands of the world is Disney. And they are very serious. And, you know, you can just name people who are good at doing service oriented businesses and businesses that are leveraging dollars for experiences 
You could name a number of them. Disney's always at the top of that. Listen, in, in 2012, you made another interesting move. You became the summer sales representative. It looks like more than summer to me for Kid Stuff coupon books. Now, for those of you that are keeping up with the home game, uh, hello, this looks like print to me. Since you have a career in sales, it won't surprise anyone to hear us probing you about how you've learned sales. I wonder if this job set your actual passion for sales. In other words, did selling the Kid Stuff coupon books set your passion for selling? So you might find this interesting, Lloyd. I'm actually going to say no. <laughs> Great company taught me what I wasn't looking for um, for a career. It was eight to 10 hours of just straight cold calls all day long, nothing else. Um, I learned when I later, and I won't jump too far though, that selling mm -hmm. in radio and then ultimately moving to digital was such a more opportunity for consultative style, in person, really getting to interact with your buyers and your potential people you're helping. And I learned quickly, oh my God, this is what sales could be. So I'll tell you this though, while I learned, boy, I do not want a job selling for eight to 10 hours a day on the phone, never ever meeting these people, just sticking to a call script. It did help me overcome a fear of picking up the phone, um, which I think plagues many sellers even today, especially with all the ways you can connect with people. You can LinkedIn message people. You can just send emails all day long. I don't fear the phone, which is something I think a lot of salespeople sometimes do without admitting it. Um, and that's wait, 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 that. wait, wait, let's put all of us in that same category, right? You put sure. some people in a, you put people in a room and you tell them, okay, we're going to make some cold calls. I, I most of those people. Okay, humans, we're going to sit around and go, okay, what are the reasons I should not make this phone call? And what you're saying, <laughs> what, what can you're, I do? Right. Yeah. And what you're saying is that, contrary to what you might think, having LinkedIn, having Facebook, having all these different things, email and text and all that gives you other excuses not to call them. Mm -hmm. I think you're, you're getting what I'm putting down, Lloyd. And it's not mm -hmm. that those aren't good. But they're, pro they're, they're part of the touch point process. But at the end of the day, I still see our most successful sales reps are the ones who are not afraid to either go drop by in person and or pick up the phone. They're not afraid of talking to another human being in some format, not just through written communication. Those things are great, but they can't be, at least I've never seen a personal firsthand example of someone who only communicates through the written word and hits their goals and breaks through for what they want to accomplish, both with their personal and professional goals. So yeah, it, it taught me a lot. They were great people and there was nowhere to hide. You had one job. Um, you had to call and get people in this coupon book. And so that was, that was it. And uh, when that's your only job, nowhere to hide, nowhere but to pick hide. up the phone over and over again and, and, and learn how to deal with rejection and overcome it. And Joe Brown, listen, uh, this also had to help you with understanding editing process, because like you said, it wasn't really consultative. It was, here are the points. I have to get in the points. I have to make the calls. I have to generate the activity that supports actual sales. Oh, yeah. You learn how to, how to absolutely um, edit a, a call script and figure out what's working. Here are the common objections that you're getting. Um, and ultimately keep people on the line to have a conversation with you long enough. Um, and it wasn't always a one, a one call close. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there were times really? where you'd have to follow up and, and get back with someone because, you, you know, you'd call a miniature golf course, for example, to try to get them in the entertainment section of this coupon book. And the owner didn't pick up, you know, another uh, someone, someone just picked up who first wanted to pick up the phone. You know, maybe it's a teenage kid yeah. for all we knew. And trying to get the right person, um, we had to keep a logbook just like. You know, you kind of do have to do in sales and keep track. Now it's all in CRM systems, but then it was, we all wrote it down and kept logbooks of what we were doing and how we could get a hold of the right people to ultimately join our and, and agree to be in our coupon book. So it was, it was definitely a fascinating cold calling experience. Um, it, it taught me a lot about the sales mindset, about how to overcome projections, how to get people to stay on the line. Um, and then truly little bits and pieces about the next step and we didn't get too deep into it there but you'd start to hear common stories about why certain companies wanted to be in the book and and what pain points you know a coupon could solve for them versus others so it was that very first taste of what 
maybe selling could be without really exposing me to the world of consultative selling, which, which obviously radio and digital have. I mean, look, we're just talking to you about career stops and, and you have some really great ones. I really think so based on, you know, we start at this level and then we move to the next level and man, I just see your career progression. It's one of the things that I'm looking at your digital entry. I'm seeing all these things. I'm like, man, this guy really chipped it up from, from the ground and has some interesting things, including the next turn, which is you earned a BA in communication slash sports journalism at Springfield College in Springfield, Massachusetts. What did you hope to learn in college? Great question. Um, I actually didn't, I think when I look back, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I knew I liked to write. And so I kind of went to a very black and white, hey, I like to write. Newspapers are writing. I'm going to go do a communications and, and journalism major. I like to play mm. sports. Hey, there's a special sports journalism program. This looks like it makes a lot of sense altogether. Um, it was a great experience. I loved my college. Um, did not love being five hours away from my wife throughout four years of college uh, since we decided to start dating a, a year into it. But other than that regret, um, I love the major that I had because it, it taught me what I, what I didn't, didn't want. And I learned very quickly that while I loved writing, um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to for, for a profession, but I loved being in charge of something. I loved the management style. And so it allowed me the opportunity to work for the school newspaper, the Springfield students, um, and don't get ahead. work my don't, way up. Oh, no, don't not, get not, ahead. Not nope. <laughs> I'm doing the interview. Um, you, that's right. That's right. Um, so, no, I mean, it was, so, it was a great experience. So listen, you know, the, the combination of communications and sports journalism is really interesting. Did you at any point think, man, it's going to be the communications that's going to help me make money in my career? No, honestly, I didn't. I, I really thought that I was going to go work for a newspaper. Um, the, I will say this, Lloyd, they had really like almost a three-pronged attack at Springfield College in that major so that you yeah. could dabble in newspaper. You could dabble in TV and you could dabble in, I bet you can guess it, radio. And oh, yeah. there just wasn't time to do all three. And so I really focused on newspaper classes, learning okay. experiences. And then I dabbled in radio. And I tell you what, Lloyd, it was for fun. I was just like, this is fun. I get to, to be on really? a college radio station. You know, just I get to be on with my buddies doing a, doing a show and just something silly. I didn't put much into it at the time. But it was always just that little aside of fun for me. Listen, this seems like a little more than fun. And, and I'm going to draw down on this. While you were in Springfield, you became the editor-in-chief for the Springfield student. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but I want to know, how did that happen? And what did you learn from that experience? Sure. Um, from day one, I knew that I didn't want to just take classes. I wanted to be involved, you know, and truly it is a club, but I wanted to be involved in something that felt like real world experience to decide if this was something that I wanted to do. Um, and the Springfield student is, is a great club made up of not just people in the communication sports journalism major, anybody can join, but we're the ones who kind of like drove it, right? Um, it was a great experience because I started as just a reporter and they would assign me stories. And I saw this management structure of editors. You've got the editor-in-chief, and then the sports editor and the features and news editor and, and so forth and so forth. Um, and I just shadowed the heck out of them. Uh, they had what they called layout night still. This is during kind of one of the weird transitions of newspapers where everything started to go really heavy online, but we were still kind of putting together newspapers in print format um, at the college weekly. Every week we come up with a new one and only editors were required to go on what they would call layout night, right? So every Wednesday night, you put the paper together so it could be out Thursday, distributed across the campus. And even though editors were the only ones required, I remember spending pretty much every Wednesday night there just being there, taking it all in. And over the years, got different editor roles. And to ultimately my senior year, I was um, chosen as editor-in-chief and got to really run the whole ship. And that was, I think, the most rewarding college experience that I had because it showed me what I really enjoyed, which I liked writing, Lloyd, but I mm. loved managing a team. I just loved managing a group of people and taking us to a collective goal together and bringing Listen, out the best I, in our people to do that. I'm noticing that's coming up a lot that you keep bumping right up on that wherever, whatever experience you're in, you're the guy that gravitates toward how do I get on top of this and help 
you know, how do I encourage a team and get people to move together? And that's pretty exciting. Now, look, this is an area of your career that really gets my attention. I spend time with my clients working on sales recruitment strategies. Mm. Look at you coming out of college and going to work for Connoisseur Media as their digital sales manager. Uh, and, and now I just love using your name. You know, you gave me that excuse and now I'm going to do it. It's like, hey, Joe Brown, listen, uh, you became this digital sales manager. How did that happen and why Connoisseur? Sure. Um, so Connoisseur uh, owns or did own at the time when I came out of college, the Lehigh Valley branches of, you guessed it, we're coming full circle, 99.9 WODE Classic Rock, that same station my dad was excited about uh, listening to. And I was like, huh, there's a sales assistant role um, that's open. I, I wonder if, if that would make a good fit. And it's, it's always amazing to me when in college, they always tell you, Lloyd, right, like network. Oh, you always got a network. And I was like, what sure. does that actually mean? The, the COO, I believe was her title, but essentially somebody high up at Kids Stuff Coupon Books was married to the general manager, Rick Musselman, of the, the Allentown branch at the time, including the Hawk, who was looking for a sales assistant. So she knew my interests. She knew that I was looking for anything that I could justify was in my field of newspaper or radio or TV, or anything that made me feel like I didn't just drop a bunch of student loans for nothing. Um, and she, she recommended that I apply for it. She told her husband, and that was actually, and I don't know if I accidentally omitted that on, on my, my online profile, but I, I started for two years as a sales assistant because of a referral from my summer job uh, in college at Kid Stuff Coupon Books. And that's where it all started. And within, after two years, they promoted me to digital sales manager. And I, I haven't looked back from that type of role since. Dude, that's unexpected too. You don't expect people to enter through sales assistant. Really kind of interesting. Look, some people may not see this right away. I'm a slower roll for a minute. Uh, but, but seeing the first sales job and then the editor-in-chief post, I can see you being primed for digital sales. Now, that's just me. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but but can you share this transition in your own words from, because you're going from old school and not for nothing, but I'm going to say that I think you are grateful you did not go down the newspaper lane. I, I would say that there are newspapers and print will always have a soft spot in my heart. Um, but I am pretty glad of how it all turned out yes. and I don't regret it one bit, um, especially with how radio sellers, for some reason, I don't know if it's just the makeup of us or what it is. I mean, you look at any, some of the studies about, and people seem to trust radio sellers to sell and talk about digital as well. I don't know what the reasons are exactly, um, but it's fascinating research when you look at any of those, those studies that are published about how and I think of like the Gordon Burrell and stuff like that. I mean, radio sellers are trusted for more than just radio. They, they become go-tos for multiple medias, including digital. Um, and I am I'm so thankful I ended up in this field because I, I work with a team of people who, who are coachable, who are malleable, who get it and are excited and thirsty to complement their radio with digital tactics. Um, and that's an Wait exciting thing to be working with the team. You're excited about them too though, right? I can tell that in your, when you and I talk, I can tell your passion for teaching, engaging people on how to increase sales. I think it's one of the things that, that drew me to pursuing a management role because I was always a sports guy growing up. You know, I played every sport I could get my hands on, soccer, basketball, football, baseball, you name it. Um, for as long as I could before my skill set ran dry after high school, <laughs> just loved it. And I love the team sports. If you noticed the ones I mentioned, I never really gravitated towards, and again, great sports, but like tennis or golf, the individual ones just didn't fit me because I loved being part of a team. And when possible, I loved trying to help lead a team, mentoring, coaching. Um, so when sales management role opened up and it was specifically a digital sales manager, um, I couldn't have thrown my hat in the ring faster. I'm pretty sure I bugged uh, Rick Musselman uh, every day until he gave me uh, the, the green light and, and the position at Connoisseur because I really wanted the opportunity to work with a team and show them how I could lead them. I was definitely in over my head the first couple of years trying to figure it oh, all out. Oh, that's the best way uh, to get a job, though, right? Out. Oh, yeah. I, I had no digital sales experience. I had, I had sales experience mm. that at the time, I don't even think I realized. I didn't even think, oh, I sold at kid stuff. And I, 
and I did this, I, I just thought, boy, I barely know what I'm doing selling. And, and here I am trying to, to learn digital sales, but it was a, a trial by fire, learn on the job. And it, it was great to be trusted by those around me and an excellent management team mm-hmm. that allowed me to grow um, and, and develop a lot of skill sets that are still prevalent to this day. So no, I, I love working with the team. And I think that team mindset as a kid growing up, loving team sports, it, it, sales to me, is a way that you can so closely replicate it. I mean, it's not sports, but it's the closest thing I can get. And I love it because you're working on a team to hit a goal as a team. Um, and you do that through your individuals. It's, it's great. It's well, one of the things I love about the job. Ego always says, I accomplished this. I did this. If you really dissect it though, we're better together. We're better as a team. Listen, sometimes I think, and this is not true. Sometimes I think because of the way our business has been, only in radio can you stay in one place and work for 47 different companies. Okay. They just, they just <laughs> kind of roll through. Five years at Connoisseur, I see Cumulus Media. You've now been working for Cumulus almost as long as you work for Connoisseur. Uh, digital sales management has stuck with you. What do you like about digital sales? I love that there's never a time you can rest on your laurels. I mean, you have to love really what I call like adult education, keeping up with things because radio will always change here and there. At its core, I believe it has remained very similar over the years. And I think that's actually one of radio's strengths. You know, when you know the radio message and you know that's the number one reach medium and you can pitch that and talk about how your listeners you know, have buying power and all that's great because you can get that message down and you can make a really good career. But with digital, it's a little bit different to me, in my opinion. You mm. need to be able to keep up because the second you stop learning or decide I know everything is when you start to lose and fall behind. So I actually love, I, I used to joke with people, if I could be a full-time student, I would have loved to. I, I just, I loved classes. I don't know why at the time, I don't want to go back now, but mm. I loved it. I loved the homework, the projects. I just felt like I was really good at it. And that's kind of digital sales. You've got to keep up with it if you want to be impactful for your clients. Because the second that you think you know everything, you're going to start falling behind and you're not going to be as good of a resource for your team or for the clients that, that are buying from you. So I love that ongoing nature that you have to keep up to find out what works and keep trialing and error new things that are coming out each and every day, month, year. Well, look, let's talk about something else that you have to keep up on, okay? With our clients, we talk about this a lot. It's in the business end. It's in the sales end. It's in the some language just becomes outdated. And if you keep saying the same thing to people, you're trying to attract people to a certain job by using old language, guess what? You're not going to get new people. What do you think radio should be doing right now to recruit and better train digital sellers? Great question. Um, It starts with the wording. You're right. When we are going for audio account execs or radio sales reps or any sort of wording like that on our job postings, we're immediately setting the expectation that we just want people who can sell radio. And I think it starts the whole process off on the wrong foot. So even just at the very core, to your point, the words, the lingo that we're using, having digital as not a secondary, but an equal playing field to me is incredibly important. I don't see digital going away from the sales right. game. So if we don't embrace it, we're going to fall behind. And I do think a lot of radio companies, including Cumulus, have done a fantastic job at beginning to embrace over the last few years and support mm-hmm. it as almost an equal as radio. So now, and even our wording in, in, in the Allentown and Wilkes-Barre markets, we use, hey, you know, it is an audio and digital account executive, right? It is a, a radio and digital sales reps. That starts us off on the right foot. And then looking for people in different places, I think is important as well. So we've made a habit in the Allentown market of not looking necessarily when we're hiring. And I, I've been a part of a number of, of hires over the last several years where we're not just looking for people who have media experience or radio experience. We're looking for people who have selling experience and have the ability to understand and be taught digital, retain it and be able to apply it. I don't even care if they have sold before. You can get them from places like Haibu and whatnot, but what we're looking for is, can you sell at your core? And are you coachable and open 
to learning how to sell everything, including digital? Or are you just one of these radio sellers who that's all I know and that's going to get me through till I retire? So that's really important to us is to look for people who are open-minded about selling everything and are not necessarily lifers in the business, but sales lifers who know how to sell that we just need to teach them our products. What about people who are curious? Does that enter on your radar? Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to what I said earlier about adult education. I mean, it's not just the mindset that I have. I, I look for people who have that that adult learner mindset. I need people who who don't think they know it all, who want to learn, who constantly are craving new information. Um, they make really the most easily coached sales reps are the ones that want that constant training. Um, and we we kind of put, set the expectations for me and our team. You're getting a weekly training session as a team with me, if you're joining our team, we are taking digital seriously and you're going to get an education every week in and week out on what we can do for our clients um, and how it's constantly changing our us so that our team is up to date and able to speak this, you know, talk, talk, not just, you know, or an end walk the walk, quite frankly. Joe Brown, you're saying a lot of things that, that I'm just going to say, this is a showcase for you because you look like you're worth your weight in gold. Listen, speaking of that, look, I've been around for more than a minute and a half. Okay, I'm just saying, there are a lot of good people in Cumulus, a lot of good people in Connoisseur. I'd be curious if you picked up any mentors in either or both companies, or if you maybe have a a designated mentor in your life right now. Yeah, he probably doesn't even know he's technically designated because I've never told him, but (laughs) um, Michael Michael Lotito is um, Michael Anthony Lotito is the general sales manager at Cumulus Allentown. He is one of the two managers, along with Rick Musselman, who has since um, unfortunately passed away, who hired me at Mm. Connoisseur um, to first start. And I have been with him for the last nine and a half years, really, since I I joined, you know, in radio and digital sales. And Michael is the one who gave me my first chance as a sales assistant. He first recognized the potential for management um, and suggested to Rick that he give me a shot at at digital sales management. Um, And he's been the reason I stayed. I've had two different opportunities um, to leave and take another job with a contract on the table. And I keep sticking around because I just feel like I haven't learned everything this man has to offer. Um, he's, he's a radio life for 30 plus years. Um, but mm-hmm. he's so fascinating to me because he's someone who could have said, ah, I'm closer to retirement than I am to the start of my career. I don't need to learn digital at all. Well, that's a I real thing in this business. Do it all. Sure, sure. But he does. Oh. Enjoy. That's the crazy thing is he wants to learn. So he collaborates with me and he treats me as an equal manager. I, I just can't get enough knowledge from him, which is why I keep sticking around instead of going and trying a different opportunity. Because I don't know, I think learning from some, like finding someone like that who has the experience and is willing to teach and mentor while treating you like a co-manager, it, it, it's invaluable. And so I've always That's joked it. with him uh, until he decides to leave. I'm going to follow him around because um, I'd like to soak up every bit of knowledge he has until he, he decides to sail off into the sunset. And then I'll probably still bother him with a phone call here or there to pick up some more. So. Listen, I, I love you said it this way because you, you're like, man, if you can find somebody who's got all this knowledge and, and here it comes and they're willing to share. Uh, listen, let, let's do this. Let's say that somebody's listening to this podcast episode they're working in radio sales or even directly in digital sales right now alone. Okay. They flipped on this episode because they see, oh, this guy's a digital sales manager. But look, I'm going to specifically say that this person might be struggling with digital sales. They might be struggling with it. What advice do you think you would like to share with them specifically about creating success in digital sales? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think first and foremost is making sure you're checking yourself and that you have an open mindset to it because you got to have an open mindset to learn it and be prepared to be uncomfortable. Because if you know what you're selling, for example, radio and you're comfortable, it's hard to then put yourself into a realm of uncomfortable and learn something that you're not super familiar with. But I promise it's worth it because if you make yourself uncomfortable and learn, it just opens up your toolkit so much. So I think first thing you have to do is be uncomfortable with, you know, be comfortable with being uncomfortable about learning about it and then mm-hmm. finding somebody, whether they're in your immediate team, in a larger company, heck with a competitor, but somebody who you identify as a strong digital seller, a strong digital sales manager, somebody with the knowledge 
that you can. I mean, I, I believe in mentors, um, just like you asked about who mentors are. And I might, I mentioned just one in Michael, but I believe in multiple mentors and finding somebody who knows how to sell digital and you can kind of follow and shadow and just soak up information. I think it's the best way you can learn. You know, I mentioned we do weekly trainings and I think they're helpful, but I always encourage my people just sit on as many different calls as you can bring me on as many calls as you can. I'll be the lead at first. And eventually you'll soak so much up. You won't want me to be the one talking. You'll ask me to sit back and provide color while you lead the charge because you'll be excited to talk about it. So I think just experiencing it, diving in head first is, is super impactful and, and getting someone who knows how to sell it on calls with you is a great setup to learn as much as you can in real life practicalness that you can then apply over time. I have a high passion for talking to people. You can tell this. I invented this podcast so that I could talk to radio people all over the country. It is incredible. But dude, when I get somebody like you, I just don't want to shut up. I got so many questions. When I look at your career, I want to go back to that moment in time where you were coming out of college, right? How do you think radio can do a better job of attracting great sellers like you, or should I say more great sellers like you? Because let's be honest. There's a lot of competition out there. Recruiting people is not what it used to be. And radio or radio and digital with radio doesn't maybe get the attention that it might have gotten 30 years ago. What can we do? Yeah. Um, I think there's two big things that I've always felt like. Number one is I don't think, at least in my experience, um, there's enough efforts to connect with colleges and have some sort of whether it's experiences, internships, et cetera. We have lots of internships that I've experienced with like part-time promotions, um, but we don't have any sort of like sales internship shadowing, stuff like that. I believe a sales internship, a shadowing, some sort of program with a bunch of local colleges around your cluster. And, and, I, and by the way, ours too, I think we need to do this in Allentown and Wilkes-Barre PA is, is would be great to have that presence at the local colleges. Well, wait a minute. Um, number it's two, not, I'm going to yeah. say that you're, you're not saying show up once a year or send a note to a professor or something. You're talking about engaging these people like you would a prospect. Oh yeah. I mean, literally having ongoing touch points, yes. um, not just uh, sitting on a, on a one-time panel or something. I'm talking about some sort of programs. And I, I don't know the exact answer, but I think more engagement on a regular basis consistently with local colleges would be huge. And I think huge. a lot of times, and this is way above my pay grade, so it's just my mid-manager uh, kind of uh, perspective, revisiting entry-level compensation plans. At least every company I've been with has always been 100% commission-based, which yeah. is great for your go-getters. You want to talk to, so you want to talk about little Joe, right? Little Joe coming out of college. I had student loans. I don't think I would have had the guts to take on 100% commission, not knowing if I would make it. Having some sort of small guarantee that you mm -hmm. can live on, but it doesn't mean, you know, it's not what you want to live on, but you could with a, a, a compensation plan with commission that ultimately allows you to grow um, and then go off of that completely in time or allows management to cut you if it's just not working out over time, I mm -hmm. think would be excellent to make that fear of what, wait a second, I have no guaranteed pay. It's all commission. Student loans are a scary thing for a lot of kids um, coming out of college. I think offsetting that, I think we do need to take a, a deeper look as an industry at, are we making our entry level sales jobs really feel doable for kids mm -hmm. coming out with some, some loans or fees that they have to cover? Right. Now, look, you said, too, but I, I'm so excited talking to you, and you give such good information that I ran right over you, so I'm going to ask if you could go back and give us that number two. What's the number two? Oh, um, so wait, what, what, repeat, repeat, what was the question? You remember the question? Uh, listen, this is all about people coming out of college, and how can radio do a better job of attracting great sellers like you, or should I say more great sellers like you? So you gave us the yeah, number no, one. I think, I think we we touched on it though it's it's having that consistent engagement right with your with your local colleges um and then having a, a different compensation plan for these entry-level sales jobs i think it's the number two is really revisiting can we do something that's different than 100 commission to maybe attract people who are fearful of not having a guaranteed salary at least at the set so i think really revisiting that would be that number two i'm gonna say something unwelcomed here i hear this i hear it People are starting to settle in and saying, you know what? I don't need more sellers. You know, I got my sellers and 
I got my one or two or three sellers or whatever, and I'm doing great. That is a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. Fewer sellers means fewer, fewer revenue, right? Less revenue, if you will. Recruitment is a big deal. Learning how to do it, learning how to engage at the local level. You know, I love that you say that, you know, look, radio reps are trusted. I got news for you. Radio is trusted more than any other media. We should use that always. Listen, we speculate about the future, Joe Brown. You know I'm going to do it with you. Some people do that with fear. Some people are excited about the future. If you could choose the future path of local radio, and I'm going to add for you, because I know you want to hear it, digital radio sales. What do you think you'd like to see the future of radio look like? So I'm going to give you a really quick, because I have nothing to do with programming, but I believe it wholeheartedly. I believe the companies that commit to their local talent um, goes mm -hmm. a far way into making the radio product easier for us to sell on the sales side. So that's my only program comment, I promise. I'll share because I don't like to speak about things that, that I don't do. But I, I believe that wholeheartedly that local products are going to be so important to help us continue to sell. Um, that being said, I believe that continuing to embrace the blended sale. Um, I love selling digital for audio first companies like Cumulus Media because I believe that radio and digital products work so well together between reaching the masses and then hyper-targeting um, the individuals that matter most for more frequency. I don't think I'd want to sell, at least not in this stage of my life, for a company that doesn't have these multiple ways of reaching people that are only digital because I think really embracing the blended sale, the multi-platform sale, the omni-channel, whatever buzzword you want to throw out, at mm -hmm. its core, I believe in two or more products selling. And I love working for a company that we sell both radio, a tried and true number one reach tactic, along with hyper-targeted strategies in the digital side. It, it makes all the difference to me, and it's such a unique selling point if you master that sales story. I got to try this on you. Like you said, you know, this is not really my area, but I will say this one thing. I'm going to say this one thing. I am spreading the totally fictionalized and Lloyd Ford made up Brian Monahan theory of digital radio sales. Want to hear it? I, I do. Like, now I do with a name like that. Let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, those like this. Brian Monahan might be, you're like, oh, who is Brian Monahan? He is the CEO. He's the chairman of Bank of America. Oh, wait a minute. How can Brian Monahan theory of digital in radio, how can that even work? Well, it works like this. Brian Monahan tells all of his employees, that means, uh, I'm probably leaving people out, but Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, they own all that. They try to focus their employees on understanding if we can get people to use three levels of banking with us, three different products, they will never leave us. This is what I think radio should be doing. This is how I think radio should use digital. Please forgive me, man. I know that you're an expert, but I'm going to say this because I'm trying to spread this theory, the Brian Monahan theory of digital in radio. And I also believe that we have to focus on ways that we can do things to increase the profit margin from digital. So I'll leave that there. How about that? I love it. I mean, Cumulus Media has a one-stop shop mentality, right? Hey, yep. you come to us, we'll take care of your radio, we'll take care of digital. And digital, you know, we could get a whole other podcast right, on what that actually means and all the different oh, you things know. that companies can sell, right? So like, that, yes. you know, the, the multiple one-stop could be your social management, your display ads, your database, yes. smart, all these different things plus your radio. So when we say multiple, I mean, it truly isn't just radio and digital. It's radio and digital, all the subsets of digital that go with it. So to your point, yes. our best clients are the ones that we can get and build a foundation with of radio and something like building a website. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's great. How do we, how do we build more? Oh, you can do our Google ads. Great. Oh, you can, you can do my social management. Great. I don't have a team for that. Our best clients are the ones that have so many different things they do with us. And it just started with some combination of radio and digital. They love the experience. They love the and customer they service. And they, they kept coming back for more. Yes. And look, again, the highly fictionalized Brian Monahan theory of digital and radio says that if they're using three or four levels of products with you, they will never leave Cumulus. 
I think I've that's got to a memorize good that because it's quite a ma- it's quite a mouthful to remember, boy. But I'm going to try to memorize that, and I'll help you. I'll help you spread the word. Well, look, I, I'm going to tell you, unless you change your phone number, you and I are going to become friends because you're just too damn smart for me not to know you really well. Joe, I want to thank you for spending this time. And man, on a Sunday, we get to spend this time with you. And you're so, you care about what you're doing and you care about your people and you care about your clients and you can feel that. And I just want to thank you for making this time for us. Well, thank you. I mean, I, the only reason I wanted to come on, Lloyd, is because you know, I read your stuff when, when it posts on Radio Inc., and you're an advocate for the industry. So, like you said, um, encouraging radio and digital, hopefully sellers who are, yeah, who are selling both. Um, happy to spend an hour on Sunday doing that. So thanks so much for all you do in, in spreading that encouragement because it goes a far way and goes a long way. Listen, no matter how you're accessing, you're hearing my voice, you're hearing Joe Brown's voice, please don't take what we're doing for granted. Uh, we want your help. We want you to help share this episode from our website at rainmakerpathway.com. It's in the free blog section. You can share it. It's easy. Go up, copy the link, boom, drop it in your social or, or send it to somebody that you think, man, this is something that people need to hear because this is certainly one of those episodes that we go, there's a lot in here. We want you to share this with others who are interested in growing their career in radio and in digital. You love how I slipped that in there, Joe, right? So this episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed just like the other 100 plus in our archive to encourage radio pros at all levels. You can bet your buns. That includes sellers and digital sellers. I want to say a special thank you to Joe Brown, digital sales manager for Cumulus Media. And Joe, I'm, I promised I would bring this up to myself. Are you a regional? What? There's something else in your title I'm not quite getting. Yeah, so just recently, as of uh, like May 15th or so this year, 2023, I was promoted um, to follow another mentor, by the way, Elizabeth Pembleton, who is a market manager originally from Allentown and then was asked to start leading the Wilkes-Barre Cumulus team. And uh, after she got settled, uh, she called me up and asked me to come along with her in a regional role. So now I am leading um, a team of about eight in Allentown and a team of five combo sellers in Wilkes-Barre as well. So it's Joe, I'm quite just the experience say- uh, in, in different markets. Yep. I'm going to say, I see you, brother. I know why you're getting promoted. A special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which, again, we make that available pretty quickly. Uh, you can go to our website and figure out how to do all that. JustJoeProductions.com. Thank you for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Of course, uh, please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in this business. They can subscribe for free anytime on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you you get your podcast. We say this all the time, and I say it to clients regularly. I, I love proving it to clients. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you don't know what I mean by that, call me up. I'd love to share that with you. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from this podcast event, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the radio rally with the encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio and digital sales.